What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Win Win Effect podcast presented by Winject Studios. I am your host, Chris Ross. And if you're new to us, welcome. Really excited and blessed to have you here for the first time. The outcome that we're after in each episode of this show is to introduce you to as many people as I cross paths with to inspire and help you, our listeners, to manifest anything you want out of life. How I go about achieving this is one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome, that's success. Our featured guest for this week is one very close to my heart. It's a person that I've come in contact with over the last year. And once our frequency and our energy met, we have been in communication daily since that moment. Mike Diamond is a TV personality, director, life coach, interventionist, creator, and founder of Diamond Fuel. For the listeners that are tuning in in the United Kingdom, keep calm and stand fast, my friends. It's coming soon. He is also a future international best-selling author for his upcoming book, and it will be flying off the shelves in 2021 just because everybody had to go back inside, stay at home in 2020, and deal with their own problems themselves. Rather than me rambling on trying to hype this up, I'm not Flavor Flav. Let's go ahead and kick this up a couple notches and have some fun. Enjoy today's show. This podcast is part of the Winject Studios Network, where podcasters come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how to apply to join the network, go to www.winject.com. That's W-I-N-J-E-C-T dot com. If you're ready to make a difference through podcasting, then we're ready to see you there. T-minus 30 seconds to lift off to another freaking vibration. Mikey D, what's, what's shaking, Bacon? What's going on, my brother, Chris, Mr. Christopher Ross? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on, man? I mean, I feel like it's kind of like funny. It's like we were about to hit record on this thing. And obviously, you know, and I appreciate you coming on. It does mean a lot to me. And I never want to over, overlook that no matter how close we are as friends. I've been looking forward to this moment of really like going into your story and, and sharing this for our listeners and all the other conversations that we have, we should be hitting record on because T minus 30 seconds, boom, we're in another frequency in another zone and we're out of space because people have no idea what that actually experiences and feels like. But for the most part, I guess we can kind of kick this off and maybe if someone doesn't know who you are and what you're about, what your story is and the impact that you make with, oh man, hundreds and th- probably millions of people nowadays. Um, how do you kind of describe yourself to someone that maybe doesn't know who you are and what you're about? It's a good question. So I'd say I'm obviously I'm an author because I write, write books, mm-hmm. uh, interventionist and a motivational speaker. And when I say interventionist, it's like, I, of course, I work with drug and alcohol, right? I work with high risk people, but it's really like you do. We try to intervene when people mm-hmm. are making disempowering choices. So you know what I'm saying? I don't just stick to addicts, but, you know, because we do so much coaching beyond that. So it's just like, you know, unfortunately nowadays people need help. So wherever I can be of service and jump in and, and I use a rule, it's the, it's, it's the three G's, right? I go to the person wherever they're at, I gather information. And once I gather their information, I try to guide them to make a more empowering choice. Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple. Some people think that, you know, when you're having that life or death type of moment and yes, they only seek the ones that they really feel in their heart and soul that can help them because it may be past experiences. I mean, obviously you've lived a couple different lives way before the Mikey D today. Right? So oh. yeah, I think you're like, you got, and we can, we can talk a little bit about you own the bar with one of the, you know, the best, you know, guitars ever, you know, slash if people don't know who that is. I guess, you know, living that type of different life and experiencing what you experience on the bottom back from broken, obviously the book that's coming out soon, which I cannot wait to you know read because I know that if any much so now than 2020 is giving people a clear vision, but it's also giving people a hold to go hide from their problem, unresolved problems and issues. There may be drinking alcohol, numbing the pain through drugs, whatever stimulants, whatever is going on in their life you're needed more now than ever brother the hard, i was going to say one thing i actually owned the bar with scott wyland and slash used to come and hang out okay yeah there we go so i want to make sure that slash go hey what a second i don't own a bar with you um well i just think he was in a mix 
you know, it, you know, the hardest <laughs> thing is, you know, it, it, when you say I've lived many lives, I have, like I was come from Perth with nothing, the most isolated capital city in the world, moved to America, started using drugs and alcohol at 12 years old, you know, mentally and physically abused all my life, undiagnosed dyslexic. I mean, when you really start to look at where I came from with no internet and no resources and landed mm -hmm. in America with nothing to what I manifested by being authentic, the biggest problem is this. I didn't know my worth, so I would accumulate a lot of stuff, you know, material shit, whether it was bars, whether it was TV shows. I mean, I was part of Miami Inc., I did New York Inc. I did Bondi Inc. in Australia. I didn't understand the work that needed to be done daily, mm. spiritually, that you do. Do you know what I mean? That the day in, day out grind beyond, beyond the talent. Right. 100%. You know, so I would have moments and those moments were great. Like I could get a big audition or open the bar or do these cool things, but... I didn't understand the repetition back then because I didn't understand I was an addict and I didn't know I had dyslexia until, you know, I got sober in, in years later. So it's like the work we do now, like we can get on a call at three in the morning and three for me. And then you obviously it's different times than where you are. And we can connect on shit that people, honestly, it's not being a dick would take 10 years to understand. Yeah. Your mind needs to be impressionable to have that kind of conversation to really understand the intentions of why you're saying what you're saying in that present moment. And you need to be a hundred percent present to be able to experience that type of gift of understanding what you are saying and what you're really meaning behind all the amazing conversations that we've had. I mean, this is kind of like just my main thing is when I'm having interviews with people, sometimes I'll, I'll do a little test and see what they know and see how much work they put in for me to put forth that much effort into the interview. <laughs> Because I don't know if they're actually on that type of frequency to understand it. And sometimes when I say things, it goes right over their head. And I'm like, and I have to pull it back for the listeners to really take in and grasp what I just talked about. So you mentioned 10 years. And from our conversations that we've had, and we've, and I'm grateful for every single second that we have spent together and, and invested that time. Because the reason why we spend so much time of actually putting in that work and, and having our conversations because our minds are impressionable to really understand and grasp and feel what the other person is communicating on that frequency and turned in will tune into that station. But you have to put in the work and that daily grind of what you mentioned, that daily grind of shedding all these layers and getting to the true and core and essence of who you are as a person. People think they need everything externally. You need to seek internal to fix all that shit. Why do you think people, I guess, waste all that time before they go and start putting in that work. It's, it maybe is it the universe putting them in a situation where they're forced to change or is it maybe they have it or just maybe it's just about being exposed to that other way of thinking. It's a really good question. I think we, look, I wish we didn't have to suffer to make change. Right. But when people suffer pain, unfortunately, some people fight, flight or freeze, they run. Some people can sit in the adversity and actually say, okay, I'm feeling this pressure. I'm feeling this pain. I have to make something. Why? What is the cause? For example, when the pandemic hit, people got offended when they were told to go inside, but they were really told to go inside themselves and figure it out. It wasn't a personal pandemic. We were affected personally, but it wasn't the Mike Diamond, Chris Ross pandemic. So I think um, the hardest thing to do in, in, in any kind of spiritual, you talk about emotional intelligence, you're talking about being self-aware. But I think the hardest thing for people to do is to take responsibility. Yeah. So if I'm sitting opposite you now, if I, which we both know, I've I have to take responsibility that I've manifested my reality up until this very point. Yesterday's dead. The future I can create like we do together. I have to take responsibility to say my thoughts my feelings and my actions have brought me to this specific point at this specific time. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough pill for people to swallow, especially yep. if they haven't gone through the adversity you and I have gone through, especially if they're not willing to get up every day and do inventory and look at ourselves and say, okay, why am I not aligned with my source and my truth? Do you know, and come 
back to that every day. And it's like wow. I said to someone the other day, you know, what people don't get is mastery becomes boring after a while. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, you know, the, what makes Floyd Mayweather so good is he will go back into the gym every day and throw a jab. He won't say, well, I've been jabbing for years. What's the point in jabbing? No. A true craftsman, a true master understands that once you master the basics, it does get a little boring, but every day you're going to feel different. That's what separates an amateur from a professional, right? Wow. The ordinary wow. from the extraordinary, right? If you want to be extraordinary, you've got to do a little extra to the ordinary, mm -hmm. right? And that they always say pleasure and pain, right? We're all trying to avoid pain and gain pleasure. So if you know how to rewire your brain on what you associate pain and pleasure with, then you can master anything because right. that's, look, the Navy SEALs are simple, right? I've got a good friend, Brett Gleason, that was in Bud's class 235, Embrace the Suck. I connect, I'm going to connect yep. you guys. And I, yeah. And, you know, it's like if I take away all your food, you're going to starve. If I deprive you of sleep, you're going to be tired and angry. Okay. Then I'm going to freeze you to death, make you cold, which is really uncomfortable. Now, I'm going to see how bad you want it. Yep. But by putting you into that state. So you don't have to be a badass when you walk into the seals because you have to figure out how bad, how much purpose you have. You can't yep. get through that on I was good at high school or I was, I know someone. No, you're in the belly of the beast. And I think that's the work that you and I, I think some people understand it naturally, but I think some people can be taught it if they're willing to surrender. You just hit that landmine right at the end of it. Surrender. I willing, and yet not, I know we've had a other conversation that's very similar to what I'm about to mention. I am prepared every single day to destroy the version of myself today to, so who I can become. And, and and that might be it might sound shocking to certain people like well damn he's done this he's done that he's done this and and they're gonna do the next thing they're gonna say and these these broke minded motherfuckers are gonna say this they'll go it's easy to say that when you have the money that you have and they're like no 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 no, no. it's harder to say that I, I'm 100 percent bro I'm willing to destroy the version of myself at this moment for the version of myself and who I need to be and who I should be and what I am creating and manifesting today. Like I don't, that's why I don't seek externally for anything. Our first conversation, bro, we were talking about a deal and 30 seconds into the conversation. We're like, all right, we're partners. Let's go. Let's move this, this way because we're on that. We're on that frequency. We're on that level of thinking. We don't need to have those stupid conversations. You just nailed it. When you just said you're prepared to destroy yourself. And I think that's, what people don't understand. If I get up right and I say, all right, I ran, say I ran 150 days straight, which I did, 10 miles a day. If I never run again, it doesn't matter what I did for those 150 days. Right. What, what am I doing this really fucking second? I used to, I noticed that when I would go to like, a friend of mine did yoga and she took me to Bikram yoga and it's like in the middle of August in New York and we're stretching and it's really hot. and people would come out of yoga angry and I was always feeling good. And I was like, why would you spend 90 minutes in a yoga class stretching the shit out of yourself and be mad? Like that's, you know, that's not the point is to, to, you right. know what I mean? The, the practice, you're not getting the practice. Mm -hmm. And I think that basic element of me getting up, like I get up at three 30, right? Three, my body tells me when to get up between three 30 and four 30. Usually it's around three 45, four. I get up, it's the same shit every day. I fucking stretch, I read, I every meditate, day. I work out, I don't take a day off. And you just nailed it. People say that when they get the money, it'll be different. Bullshit. You'll never have the money because you're waiting to fucking arrive. You right. never arrive. It's now. I don't do it before, oh, it's January 1st. Let me do it. No, every day. <laughs> Everyone's in a gym and a pie eating contest and shit, you know, like, and they don't come back for four or five days, you know, and they never come back again. So it's it. Once they get a little, once they get a little uncomfortable and they're a little sore, they don't, they give up. 
I'm, t- I'm telling you, this society, and we are breeding weak-minded and weak individuals. They're fragile. They're one breakup away from a mental breakdown and suicide. They're one conversation away from never accomplishing, and then they go and they get bought into the whole identity, and they get lost in their own fucking mind for the next week, and they'll have one conversation with somebody, and their their relationship with that person, it ruins their whole next career. Like, what the fuck? I'm like, what is wrong? Like, listen. Everything you ever wanted in life, it comes from here. You are you are born with a gift. Go find it. It's not my job to tell you what that is. No, and I think you know that. I think people don't listen to their calling because they've either been beaten down too much in early life right. and they right. didn't get the fuck away from those anchors, I call them. We're engines. We drive people. Engines drive people. We put air on yourselves. We put air on your tires, right? Anchors drown people. They try to sink yeah. them. You get rid of the fucking anchors. I can let, look, I dump so many people because they start talking to me. I'm like, dude, just show me. I don't care how good your intentions are. I want to see your fucking actions. Can you drop the hammer? That's like, that's why I was was coaching someone one day and she goes, he means well. I said, hold on. He drinks Mm -hmm. every night, tells you he's not going to drink any fucks girls behind your back. I don't care how much he means. What's he doing? Yeah, what's he doing? Me. What's he doing when no one's watching? What is he that's, doing when no one's watching? That's where the hard work. That's where that's where champions are made, my friend. When no one is watching you. This is the best saying. If you don't do the work in the dark when no one's watching, you get exposed in the bright lights. Hmm. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's what when I, you know, people that I meet now, and obviously I, I expect to meet all these people, and that's why when I'm having conversation, and you can just go off of you know your own feelings toward this and your own opinion if you have one different in mind. But when we met, I was like, how the hell did we separated at birth? I think somehow, like I don't know, like was I doing drugs like fucking thirty years ago, and I wasn't aware of this? Was I at the bar? Like I felt like I was talking to myself or a version of myself. Like holy shit, it I mean, was amazing. I- I believe in past lives, me personally. I believe, yeah, you know, I believe if we're here for a lesson and whatever past life it was, whatever city we were conquering, you and I were looking over each other going, hey, we're going to take that, we're going to do this. And then when we met, that's why I think that I always say to someone, look, if you got into someone's um, car and you wanted to listen to rock and they're playing hip hop, you can get angry at them or you can change the station. Right. right? Right. Or, or turn it off, right? So when I talk to someone, I, I, I know straight away. And I use a thing called the solfeggio frequencies when I meditate, mm-hmm. yeah. which is nine different frequencies to make sure I'm clear. So when I start the day, I know in a meditation, when I breathe correctly and do all my stuff, I'll know who to call and who to connect. I, I literally would send you, I send you texts in the morning. I know who to right. text. Melsa, I did my deal with Sam, back to ya. I came out of a meditation and someone sent me a supplement and I called Sam, rest in peace, poor Sam, and I said, oh, I'm going to create a supplement. He's like, can you come to my house in an hour? It was four in the morning. I said, I'll be there at five. I'm right. doing a deal at five in the morning. People are still sleeping and rolling around. You know, and someone said, the best thing someone said to my wife one day, they're like, Mike gets up around 3.30 in the morning. She's like, yeah. And she's like, does he have a weird job? She goes, yeah. His job is to fucking write books and motivate people. He's fucking weird. But she understands that crazy. That's the beautiful yeah. part. Yeah. No, 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 no. But what she's trying to say is people don't understand. I have to get up and get a line that early right. to be of service and to work with people like you. Because the pros, we are the 1% of the 1%. That's just how we are. We operate at that level. And if people don't understand it, it's okay. You could be a linchpin like you and I, or you could be a cog. We're linchpins. Right. hundred percent. Right. I a hundred percent agree into this. And, and it's all about, you know, making sure that you're, you know, you're taking inventory on the things that you do have in your life, what's available, what's not available. And then moving from that. And you're talking about the frequency in the mornings. Like you mentioned uh, way earlier and you mentioned three 30, your, your body wakes you up. Right. Yeah, I don't. The, I know a long clock needed, bro. I know when I'm waking up. I know when I'm waking up. Yeah, golden hour is between one and four because yeah. that's when melatonin in the brain spikes and it's connected to the pineal, pineal, whatever you want to call it, the third eye. 
So I discovered that when I really started to heal properly and I was like, all right, if I can get up between one and four and then what happened is I just got so used to getting up between 3.30 and 4.30 and I felt so clear mm. and I started, that's how I wrote my new book. I wrote my new book after the pandemic hit because I always write how I feel. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, that for let's talk about that okay. for the listeners that we can. Like back from broken, that's the title of the book, right? What, what, well, it's either back from broken or a dose of positivity. Yeah, I know. Can... Yeah, you're working with it, and, and the reason why I want to talk about this just real quick is that, you know not so I don't forget. You're working with this publicist right now that's probably absolutely bonkers and insane like us, but on an extreme level because he knows exactly what he wants. He's very demanding. This, 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 this. There's a certain time that he gets up. And he told you, remember? Yeah. It's like, all right, here, here's a certain time, and you got all these ten other bestsellers, but you were this person. You want a bestseller? What did you do? So this is what he told me. He was straight. So I wrote the first draft in six weeks, uh, eight weeks. I wrote sixty-six thousand words. Had a friend of mine do the first edit. Then I met with, I sent it off, and CAA wanted to give me a publishing deal. I went with my gut. I didn't like the contract. I called a friend. I called Melsa and I said, can you read it? Read the book. He said, I'm writing the forward. I said, great. He said, I've got a guy. I said, okay. <laughs> right. I got, you a, got guy. a guy. Everyone's like, got like a guy, a right? Mafia story. Right? I got a guy. <laughs> I, I got a guy. I got a guy. Yeah. So he, he reads it and he said, okay, here's a question. I said, what? He goes, I'm working with nine authors. They're all bestsellers. I said, okay. He said, you're not a bestseller. I read your first book. It's really great. It's done really well. I said, okay. Um, he said, you really want to work with me? I said, yeah. And he said, can you take constructive criticism? I said, yeah. And he said, how far can you stretch yourself? I said, really good. I'm, I'm good. I can work. I'm the hardest working guy you've seen. He goes, first in the inbox is who I edit first. No excuses. I'm like, okay. Got back the first six chapters. There was so much red ink. I literally, and I'm not a negative guy. I wanted to walk blind in front of the traffic. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Like, this is no joke. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) So this is what I did. I always believe everything you do in life is a reflection on, and I learned this at acting school, on the stage. Like, you do the work in the dark, you don't get exposed to the bright lights. So it's funny. It's a crazy story. So I was healing after I ran the 30 half marathons last year and did that Guinness World Record thing. And had bad hernia surgery because I ran with a hernia and my ulcerated colitis. So I, was, I, had a, I had a stationary bike that I was getting back in shape. Ironically, the pedal on the bike breaks and the seat. So I'm like, motherfucker. So I go see a friend of mine who's a sweetheart and he's got this fancy bike and this seat and this pedal. And my wife's like, do you want me to, you know, what else could go wrong? Like, my bike's broken now. Right. Like, getting this edit back, right? <laughs> And I'm like, okay. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to start getting up at 3.30 in the morning. She's okay. And I call the editor and I said, I think I can do this in 150 days. He's like, there's no way we can edit this book in 150 days. We've got to redo 66,000 words. I've got to go through every word. I said, I can do it. I said to my wife, I'm going to run 150 days straight with the baby. She's like, what are you talking about? She goes, I said, I'll push him 10 miles a day. So I get up in the morning, do my meditation throw the baby in the stroller, put him breakfast and run 10 miles. Now here's the thing. People say time, money, resources. How are you using it 24 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. If I don't have any money, but I'm service to you and bring you value, you pay me. Fuck resources, be resourceful. Right. So I got ding, my ding, phone. Ding. I got my phone. I was smart enough and this is how I write. I pulled up and I'll show you to freak you out because I know you'll love this. And let me go through here. I pulled up a Word document and I wrote the book in my phone, would transfer it to my iPad and use my fucking iPad, go for a run, halfway through the run. I'm like, oh my God, that's a chapter or that's an edit. And would always be in the inbox first. So I was getting up so early. (laughs) And then he called me and he said, are you editing off your iPhone and your iPad? I said, yeah, and he goes, it's fucking genius. Why? Yeah. And I said, because when I go for a run, I, I get clear. It's, I run mindfully. Like I can, if yeah, I run, run ten, I'm so focused. So what would happen is I get these streams of consciousness. I would read the edit, what he wanted me to edit, and then I'd run with it. And it would just come to me really quick because I 
my ego, you can't, you've got to surrender running 10 miles a day. And I'd go out and then I'd just get into flow and I got the baby so my wife can sleep. There's no pressure. And it, and it made me realize like when people say, oh, I, I need to, you know, be in, a, in, be in a fucking cabin with candles. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to get the cabin in candles. Oh, shit, yeah. If you can't, you know what I mean? Everyone wants the trophy and the cover of the magazine, but no one's really willing to train like Dorian Yates or Ronnie Coleman. And that's how I did it. And now we're doing, he's so hardcore, check that you'll love this. So I write, we, we do the, I write, edit everything. He makes me, he literally, it's an 18 chapter book. He throws seven chapters away yeah, and says, he's like, look, there, there are other books, but that's good news for you. But now you've got to rewrite five, write five fresh chapters. So I rewrote five, I wrote five. He would give me a, a power challenging you, bro. He's challenging you. That's, he the, gets, that's the, I love getting around amazing. people that challenge me. He pushed me and this is the best thing. So he pushed me so far, then like a dick, he made me actually print up the whole book, 288 pages. I had to go word for word and proofread my own shit. <laughs> Okay. okay, I'm gonna ask you a question real quick. Just real quick, let me Go ask on. this question for the listeners. When I I have met some people, and everyone's a bestseller and author from somewhere from dogshit.com or whatever, right? Everyone they got an ebook and all that bullshit. I've been asked to do books. I'm like, oh, you should write a book. You should do it. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. like you should get a publicist and then you get a copywriter. I'm not having a copywriter write my goddamn book. You know what I mean? That's coming from here, and I love what you just mentioned because it. Everyone's thinking, oh, I need a, I need a publicist. I need a copy. That's all limiting beliefs and stuff that's projected onto you. You need to, it needs to come from your mind and put it on paper and then get it out there. That's this how it comes Now, and I wrote my first book to, and I did really well. That's how I got this big editor. But here's the thing. He was straight with me. He goes, I ain't fucking ghostwriting this. You right. got to write the book. Love this. And he is so he was so good but this is what it taught me i then started writing for aware now magazine and now i'm writing for the fix because it allowed me what i learned in six months with him he even said to me he goes what you did in six months most authors couldn't do in two years i said yeah there's a window of opportunity you gave me and i realized that i had to catch up so I wasn't about to fuck around. Whatever I need to do to catch up, if you told me to rewrite a chapter, I'd rewrite it six times. Mm. I have to work at that level if I've got this opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Where, you, where do you think you learned that type of discipline? As a kid, because I never had anything and okay. I had to work twice as hard. I wasn't a big kid, but I was a really good athlete. And because I never got the encouragement, I had to figure out if I came one-on-one with someone and, and when I was running as a sprinter and they were better than me on, say, in a race, I would kind of analyze naturally myself and go, all right, what did he do that I didn't do or what did I do? And then I would, I would never train around people. I was always, mm. I'd always train alone. So I would let, make you think that I wasn't doing anything. Right. I like that. I would never show it. But then when it was game time, I was, I was ready to go. And I think that because I never had the safety as a kid, no one ever gave me the insurance that it'd be okay. Mm -hmm. It was always a lot of abuse and you're dumb and you're stupid. And school was pretty scary because I couldn't, you know, I was dyslexic. They'd peel it up. My teacher would grab me out in front of class, make me read to everyone. They'd laugh at me. I think, I don't don't know if I told you that, but I'm dyslexic. I can't, (sighs) I, I can still remember memories of sitting in class and they go around the room and like oh. they call on me. And I'm like, I would die at that moment. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Dude. I actually got suspended from school. This kid behind me fucking laughed. And I turned around and I didn't want to punch him. And I hit him. Like I hit a tomato. His face exploded. Boof. Yeah. Such a, and I feel so awful, but I wasn't mad at him, you know, <laughs> laughing. I was mad at myself. Cause I couldn't figure it out. You know what I mean? I couldn't speak. But nowadays, you know, if a kid farts, he's got autism or yeah. dyslexia. When we were kids, we were stuck in stupid. Right. Did no, it? I didn't. I wasn't, I wasn't diagnosed, bro. I had, Nothing. I, I, I oh. held, I held it back. I suppressed it. I'm like, no, nothing's wrong with me. You know, horrible feeling. So I guess it's just something I've had in my DNA to just know that there's a spot. And I know the people that have it, you've got it. I know in a conversation, like I say to people, I don't need contracts with people. 
contracts mm-hmm. to see you in court. I know the people that I want to work with because I just yeah. feel it. I'm like, yeah, I want that. That person gets it. And that's how I worked with Belsa. That's why I work with Sam and you. And, and I think it's just something people don't trust their guts enough. Mm. And because they're, because they're, they don't know what they're good at and what they're not good at. I, I right. can admit if I get in with like a guy that's a top, you know what I mean? You can't fake working with a, a guy that's edited 500 books. No, <laughs> no. You're gonna, and just like I said, you put in the work when it's dark, and you get, or you're gonna get shine, get exposed in, the, in a bright light. Yeah, he's fucking Yoda. So when I would, I kind of get a hard on in the sense of when he would give me a rewrite, I'd be like, you know what, I'm gonna fucking do this so good. And it was funny because every time I'd send in something, there was less red ink, less red ink, less red ink, and to the point by the That's last motiv- three, yeah, the last three or four chapters, he's just like. I just have to tweak some shit. And I was like, fuck. Now, this is the hardest thing now. He's like, we've got to start book three in March. I said, okay. Then he's like, could you write book four? Uh, Could we do book three in, you know, six, you know, six months? And could you get, get, be able to do book four, two books next year? I said, yeah, I've got the information. I said, you're going to have to help me edit it. He said, yeah. And he's like, you need to bang out a book a year. You have to be that head of the cycle, five books, five years, because that's the deal we're going for. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And then it just tweaked me like, you know, it's like we're going to get a big published deal. Great. But that's like getting in the NFL and thinking you're right. you got to build yeah. a fucking career. <laughs> Say that again. Say that again. Say that again for the listeners. You know, it's like you get into the NFL and think you're arrived. Right, you've got to build a fucking career. Oh, yeah, like I want to write. That's what the problem with people. Here's the thing: the problem with people is like, oh, I want to become an entrepreneur. I want to start my own business. They don't say, I want to fucking dominate in business. Like, or they'll go, I want to make it to the NFL. But if you said, I want to be the freaking MVP six times, and I want to be the best freaking whatever, and I'm going to do it. That's the that's how clear and concise you need to be. But sometimes it's not about you just being on pinpoint. I'll set a goal and a thing, but I'm every day, bro, I'm manifesting a new freaking reality and I'm, I'm setting higher and higher. And I, I never achieve it. I go past it. I blow way past it. And that's how you're able to accomplish that. You can't just write a book and be like, I'm going to write a book. No, I want my book to be read by the fucking queen. Yeah. And, and, and like, whatever, I want right? to exactly. I want to be able to do five books in five years, and right. that's the base. And then drop the hammer and do five more. Look, I I read a book a week minimum. Now I'm yep. like I got to read two books a week. So I I literally time how quick I read, you know, in in sixty seconds, and I know I can read about thirteen thousand words in an hour. So if I can read two hours a day, it's 26,000 words. If you times that, the average book has about 60,000 words. If I can read about 500 pages a day, that's close to two books a week. That's not audio. Now, if I'm commuting and I'm commuting an hour, average audio books about six to eight hours, I could get three books a week. That's a lot of fucking information. Now, if the average person reads one to two books a year, and I'm getting, you know, 50, 100 books comfortably in a year. I'm fucking, there's a lot of information. I'm going to spew right. that information out. Right. Spew information. And also, and another thing for the listeners to understand, do you see how he broke everything backwards down on how he's able to accomplish? That's just taking information in. He's not talking about implementing and going through his own experience through that information. That's it, the missing piece that a lot of people don't understand about he, Here's the perfect thing. This is what I do. So I, this is my strategy, and I taught it myself. So if I read something, if I read a book, whatever the book is, I put a card in the front of the book. If something in the book inspires me, I write the line on the card, right, as a reference, an index. Like that. So then what I do is if I'm reading and something inspires me to write my own quote, I go to my phone and put it in the notes and write my own quotes, original quotes. Because something could trigger a quote. I'll write my own quote. 100%. Right? So then I start the structure. Then 
obviously I stat, I have my books in, in, in different things. So some are self-help, some are motivation, some are cognitive therapy, some are NLP, right? They're all where I can see them. And I know they've got cards. So if I start a process of writing, I know if I go to the front of the book, the card for a section, I know what inspires me, what quotes, who to reference, mm. what page. And I file it that way. So if I start writing and I'm like, man, search for meaning, I know if I open the book and it says page 36, I'm like, there's a reason I put page 36. That was the quote I was looking for. Well, that was the story because I don't know how my brain thinks. And that way when I'm reading or when I'm referencing, it, it reminds me I can go back. And I always write down, I have a list of all the books I've read, the books I want to read, and I add to that list. Right yep. now I've put away, I think, 200 books since uh 2017 read now i was reading before but i reread some stuff on purpose because rereading it now back in 2017 to now i it's just a different philosophy a different perspective right. yeah different it's a whole different you you've grown right yeah. and your mind's going to be more impressionable to something that you missed absolutely that you weren't to. yeah love it and then what i do is i do a trip there's a there's a very famous man called lazanov and what Lazanov did is he taught kids the Quran. He, he, he was a very smart man and he realized if he slowed the brain down to a theta brainwave, he could then put in the auto suggestion. If yep. you know in the first seven years of life, you're in a theta brainwave. That's why the subconscious mind is 95% and the conscious mind is 5%. So what I did is I took Lazanov's technique and I studied that he used a certain Mozart uh, concerto I would play the Mozart concertos, which would relax me as I'm reading. Then I'm, I'm gathering all the information because my brain is in that auto suggestion mode naturally. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not in a beta brainwave. That's why that's, and I, I talk a lot about this and just for the listeners to understand, because I talk a lot about this. That's where that neocortex is going over. You see slowing down time. That's what he's doing. He's slowing down time to be more proficient and be more effective. Go ahead. Yeah. And so then what you do is when I say to people, you know, you can hack your own brain in a positive way. When you first wake up in the morning, you're in a theta brainwave. When you first go to bed, when you go to bed. So that's why those two times of the day, you could put in good order suggestions, read. So when you get up, you start programming it. And that's going to, you know, law of attraction, like attracts like. It's going to affect the reticular activating system of the brain. So you're always going to be on the, the search of what, you program. Do you know what I mean? And no, 100%. I just want the listeners to really grasp that because that I talk a lot about slowing down time. And I'm like, okay, when do you work on yourself? You know, if you're not working on yourself, someone else is working on you. Yeah, exactly. You're being controlled, bro. I don't want – there's nothing is ever going to own any mind, body, or spirit of me any day. I own me. Absolutely. I own me. You should be, look, I'll tell you, this is, if I wasn't married with a kid, right, and I met you, and I was, you're in England, and I was here, I'd be like, oh, I'll fucking move to England. Right, I'd yeah, 100%. Met, you got to be around those type of people, this, yeah. This guy, I, this, so now we've got Zoom, we're lucky, but you, I get around the people that I know crush it like I do. I just, I just know the people. I, I smell it, I feel it, I'm like, this guy's like me, and then... It's the same with the information. It's what you eat. If, you, if you're eating the right foods, it gives you the right feelings. It's the same foods of frequency and energy. It's the right thoughts. It's the right conversations. And if you start to, look, you can't flourish in life if you don't de-weed the negative. Got to, 100%. That happens every day. Not on some days, every day. So this is where people mess it up, right? I go out and I've got a beautiful rose garden. Okay, the potential of those roses is how I de-weed fertilize and feed the roses mm -hmm. i'm a lazy fucker my neighbor's not i look at my roses i start getting resentful because he's got good roses really <laughs> what about i do some de-weeding why don't i have time oh really so then you start to look at your life and someone's manifesting good shit and instead of looking at them and going well what the fuck are they doing how are they thinking how are they feeling how are they acting Mm -hmm. What are they doing different to me? But what people don't understand is they spend more time hating on the Kardashians or hating on someone that's doing stuff instead of saying, well, hold on a second. They came from the billionaire sperm club, okay? They were lucky. But that doesn't mean they're happy if they're not living with purpose. There it is right there. 
you know what I'm saying? It's a, don't worry about other people, what one of the people are doing. Find your calling. The universe is calling everyone individually. You've got to find that. Right. I was just on an interview and I was asked a really good question. It's like, you know, after this COVID stuff and after all these things and a vaccine or whatever, and then what's the one thing that you want to do? Or what are you looking forward to? And I was like, nothing. I'm not looking forward to anything. I, I have everything right. I, it's whatever. Like I, I was like, yeah, I can, I mean, well, I want to have this certain restaurant or whatever. I don't seek external for any piece of happiness. And she was like, <laughs> she kind of didn't know really what to say. She thought she was going to throw me like a curveball or something and I was going to whiff. Like, no, nah, I knocked that shit off the cover, cover off the ball. Like, this is what I feel though. Like, I, that's the, that's the beautiful part about what we do and on tune in on that, on that station. You can't people, you, us walk into a room and people aren't on that frequency. They're going to fucking run. You know, look, I, I, this is going to this piss someone off the other day, <laughs> a friend of mine, and he's like, I, uh, two, 220 is cancelled. And I said 220 was one of the greatest greatest years of my life. Me too, yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, it could be 220 for the rest of my life, dude. You can't break me. I am the palm tree. Wow. Look, you become flexible in your mindset. I am the palm tree in a five-stage hurricane. I bend, I don't break. This is nothing. Nothing. It's all about being game time. It's all about being game time. Like, bro, like you talked about um, uh, Navy SEAL and breaking it down to nothing. I've been there. I've been to nothing. I know what it feels like to not feel like you should never take the next step or wake up or take the next breath. I've been in the belly of the beast, bro. I, I mean, I've looked at the, my demons in the face and called them a bitch. Like, you ain't shit. There's, I will break you before you break me. I, you know, I was doing massive amounts of blow. I was shooting a TV show with Scott Weiland. I looked at Scott. Scott's wife is pretty much out the door. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to get sober. No one did intervention on me. No one said to me, go to rehab. 30 days into my sobriety, I got a deal to open a bar and a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Went and saw a friend of mine. All these people said, don't do it. You'll relapse. I said to a friend of mine, this is what I do. What do I do? And he's like, open the bar and the restaurant. What's the problem? And I said, well, everyone's telling me, he goes, shut the fuck up. He said, are you done with drinking and cocaine? I said, yeah. And he said, don't look at the job. Get the fucking job done. Stop being, right. if you're either going to do it or you're going to be a procrastinator. Right. He's like, you're going to relapse if your mind isn't right. Do you want to relapse? I said, no. And he said, open the bar. Here's the funny thing. I opened the bars, never relapsed. I had 15 years of sobriety in April. All my friends... Thank you, brother. All my friends that went to rehab, guess what? They came back and relapsed. Why? I'm looking for a crutch. And they thought by going to rehab, when they came back, the problems will go. There's a great song. Everywhere you go, you take the weather with you. Yeah. It's me, brother. I take that shit with me. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's about owning it and taking it all in. Like, I've, I'm, you know how, like, people, uh, <laughs> I've shared, shared this with someone the other day and talked about, like, we were sending all our bios. I'm going to send all the shit that I overcome that could have destroyed me. I'm going to give you all the ammunition that where you can think you're going to destroy me or I'm going to leave it all my flaws. I think that's what it, I'm going to leave it all best. of it. I'm like, Dude, now I've disarmed you. You can't do shit to me. You, you'll love this. So I started running for a wear magazine, and they sent me this dope little spoon, right? Like this little spoon. And someone said, oh, is it a Coke spoon? I was like, well, and so they called me, and they said, can you write a column? I said, well, can I write about the spoon? They said, yeah. So I was honest. I said, look, back in the day, this was a Coke spoon, but now right. it's not. This is a little spoon to remind me of where I'm from, but also I take spoons of energy and positivity oh, and give wow. out spoons yeah. of energy and positivity for people one spoon at a time. And she's like, can I, can I post that? I said, yeah. I said, I tell people, look, this is the best thing. When I came out 10 years ago and told people I smoked crack, I did drugs, I owned bars of rock stars. People said, you're crazy. I said, why? It's the truth. Yeah. They're like, yeah, but you should say that for meetings. I said, no, in a meeting, when someone says they're anonymous, that's their business. I don't have to be anonymous. Cause guess what? When I used to drink and smoke crack and do drugs, every motherfucker had a reason and they talked shit about me and they rang me all the time and said, you're a crackhead. Yeah. So I can embrace the fact that I'm sober and I don't give a shit about that. My past, my past is not who I am today. That's, and nothing matters. That's, that's gone. 
It only thing matters is right now. As I'm going to call with you, the only thing in fucking life that matters is right now. Yeah. Right now. That's it. That's yeah. it. And once you, it's kind of like, and I was listening to something the other day and I was talking about, I think I sent you a message. And I was like, the guy that did that documentary of Russell Brand that I have, he's coming on the show. Can't wait for that one because it's funny. Russell Brand said it in the documentary. And I can assume, you know, I read a lot of stuff and I consume a lot of content as well. I don't watch a lot of stupid, mindless entertainment. I don't do it because it's not, it's not serving me. So but once you get to once you get to a point in your life and you peel that curtain and you peek behind it and you realize nothing's there. Now it's kind of like you're going through life and you're just like you have to use your humor because everyone is suffering and everyone is doing this. I'm like, just relax, just chill, man. Just go reset. Get yourself back to neutral and go accomplish whatever the fuck you want. Go do it. Here's a beautiful thing. Our society is so fucking warped, right, that we value things that really have no value on a spiritual level. Right. So here's a perfect example. Like Tony Shea did a lot of amazing stuff, you know, founder of Zappos, billionaire, really, really good person. Poor guy was suffering with his, you know, drug use or whatever it was, and he passed at 46. It's really sad that no one pulled him aside and said maybe he's struggling right now because he was, you know right. what I'm saying? So it's like... At the end of the day, when you when you face the mirror or you lay in bed, you're only as sick as your secrets. <laughs> That's a hundred percent, bro. Right. That's a hundred percent. Like, what would you be doing? What you're doing right now in the dark or whatever? That you have to own that shit. And that was the mm. hardest thing for me is owning that vulnerable moment and leading with that and like really taking it in and looking at you know where you're full of shit. You, you know, know you're full of shit when you're full of shit. And you know, you know when you didn't study for a test and you know when the lights turn on, you know who's did the work and who didn't do the work. You get exposed. Yeah, and, and guess what? Guess what? If you didn't do the work when the pandemic hit, you get exposed because what do you do? You spend your time blaming others. You spend your time, you know, I've got, I don't talk politics, but I don't care about Biden. I don't care about Trump because I'll tell you why. They ain't coming to my door, knocking on my door saying, Mike Diamond, can I buy some of your supplement? They don't give a fuck about me. So whoever wins, I don't care, right? I do me. I be of service to people. I help people that are struggling. I give people great information. I test a bunch of shit and I go, this worked for me. If you're struggling, maybe you try it, maybe you don't. But I'm always looking to inspire, educate, and motivate people right. so I can teach them to live their full potential and teach them that they matter because right. people matter. Yeah. Everyone Every, matters. Everyone And everyone is precious. Yes. Everyone is precious. And I'm just not going to be the guy that dies, and I know you're not, to die it, it, it on, on a full tank. Why don't die? What's that great saying? Don't die with the song left inside you. Right, you got to man, just fucking experience. I mean, people go, I just want to experience the life of my dreams. I'm like, well, go do it. Chris, go. you'll love this. You'll love this. So when we finished the edit, the first edit, I called the um the second edit, I called the publisher, the publisher uh, the, the editor, and I said, I, you gotta do something for me. He said, No problem. I said, if I die, he's like, What? I said, Shh, hear me yeah. out. If I die, you have to make sure this gets published because yeah, I have a deal with you. Of course, well, why would you say that? I said, I only died in 2017 with my appendix bursting, septic shock. He said, no problem. One week later, Sam died, Sam Bakhtia. Wow. And I called the, I called him. I said, Sam, I saw Sam a week ago. He's dead now from COVID. Did you sent me that message. It hit home, bro. When you sent me that message, it hit. I was like, you know, damn. 48 years old. The guy built an empire. He took care of his employees. He was like He's a good one of person. The, oh, what a what an incredible human being! And you never know, man. It's it's just it's that fast. It's that fast. Like so, I'm gonna I'll say it to you just to not to put this out in the frequency, put this out in the universe. But if something ever freaking happens to me, you're gonna take all the content and whatever, and I'm I'm I'll make it happen. I'll, I'll send you a thing to where my team will get it to you. Don't take all the information I have and just be able to manifest you know what i mean and get it out there just get it out there that's why i'm partners with you you know why because when this hits when this hits the uk oh yeah mind focus feel right and i get you'll have all the ingredients to all the supplements if anything ever happens you just have to pick up just keep pushing it and i'm gonna keep pushing it and your kids (laughs) your kids and your wife be taken care of and that's my word because it's not about money bro that's the whole thing you talk about contracts 
just leads people to court. I got time for that shit. I'm like, I know who I'm going to do business with and who I'm not going to do business with. You talk about uh, getting it. So people show that, show that on the screen just real quick. I want everyone to take a look at that. There's your future in the UK. Game over. It's game over. Don't ask me how. Ask me why. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but you know, it's like I love uh, it's like I love it's like you shake someone's hand, like I'm old school. Like when Melsa yeah. said to me, We did the podcast, come on my show, no problem. Let's do a show together, no problem. Oh, do you want to write the forward? No problem. Do you, you know, I'll get let me get you my editor. He's written three bestsellers of Melsa. And then I call him, I said, What do you want? He's like, From who? You? He's like, Nothing, we're friends. Sam. Right, I build the ingredient with him. Can I? He has his own supplement company. Do you have a lab? Got the lab. I got the ingredient. Went through all the contracts. Got everything done. Sent it to the lab. Took me through the whole process. I said, "Well, how much do you want of the company?" He said, "Whose company?" I said, "My company." He said, "Your your good company. I don't need anything from your company." Right. Exactly. I just need. I just. I don't need anything from. I don't. I don't. If you want to get involved, great. But yeah. And you know what I used to do on purpose because I knew so many people asking for stuff. If I got like a nootropic or he, um, we were using like um, non-psychedelic mushrooms, I got all these mushrooms that are good for health and stuff. I would send him like things like, I'll try this supplement. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And he'd be like, well, how much do I owe you? I said, what do you mean? You, you don't owe me anything. This is what we do. We exchange shit. If I tried a new protein, I would send it, hey, have you tried this? And literally... Like with you, it's like people don't get that. I, I live in abundance. I can't take this shit with me. Like I said, you know, you never find a moving van or a U-Haul truck behind a hearse at a funeral. And I know people have said that, you know, so many times and people they still just don't listen to the deep message behind that. Yeah. Like you mentioned, like, well, let's go, let's go in on this business and get it done and get it manufactured, get it, get it moving. I'm like, okay, great. So right from that conversation, I wrote out a whole list of other shit. You send me a message and I'm taking it to another like way of thinking. I'm like, okay, that's all right. He's on, he's on that page. He's and on that you, page. And you know, I didn't even question when I said, Hey man, whatever you need, I have no problem sharing it with you. Cause I right. knew as soon as I spoke to you, I know the people at my age and experience that I want to be in business with. And I also know the people that I shake hands. I change the channel. I send them love and positivity and hope they get it one day. The people that don't get it, I have no hate. Just... They're going to come back around. It comes. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. So they they have every year your options evaporate. Some of them, and that's done by the universe taking it away from you because you've had the opportunity. <laughs> okay, I'm just not going to be the guy when another trip around that damn sun and me losing opportunities and I had to suffer from this that fear of missing out. That was part of the issue that I had. I had to do it all, 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 but then I started realizing I needed to attract the right things in my life to do the right, to manifest the life of my dreams. And, and if it doesn't fit into my life or my way of thinking at that time, I let it go. So true. I got to let it go. I have to let it go. I'm, I'm telling you, man, and I hope people are really grasping all this information because I know sometimes we can get on a horn and just start talking shit. But when that's led me to the, obviously, the I never thought in my wildest dreams I own a podcasting network, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? I never. I'm like I don't know. I have over 300 shows right now dying to come onto the network, and because I, I, you know why? I'm not charging them a motherfucking thing. Zero, zero dollars, zero. Why? Because it, I'm I'm going to show them how to make money and monetize, and I'll get a piece of proceeds of uprides. And I'm not worried about all that. I'm here to make an impact with people and serving people in that capacity, and I'm going to do it because no one's going to stand in my way and stop me. Well, the most important thing that you do that I realize I do is we don't sp focus on why it's happening. We have a why and we focus on how we can grow. And I think that's the biggest problem with people. They sit in this fixed mindset of pain. And don't get me wrong, we all suffer pain. But no, 100%. It's like it's... If you have a rebel in it, though. I revel in that pain. You've got to look. Look, it's like this. The biggest. This is the biggest lesson that you and I understand. That if I'm working with someone, I teach them. I'm like every moment, you reset. Yeah. Yesterday's food doesn't keep you full today. Uh -huh. I like that. <laughs> Just stay in the fucking moment. Mm -hmm. If you make a mistake, be responsible for how you choose to think, feel, and act, and sit in it and say, you know what? Let me reflect back. What could have I done different? Why am I not synchronizing right. with this person? 
why, why don't, you know, where's my purpose? Where are my values? What are my rules to those values? And then stay the fuck out of the way. Everything that he just talked about, ladies and gentlemen, had everything to do with the cultivation of silence and cultivation of self-investigation. He wasn't seeking external for any answers. He was asking himself from his own way of thinking and his own frequency, his own, maybe his mind's impression with certain things and all the knowledge and stuff that he's gaining through books and conversations with other people, business people. I got to be around the freaking visionaries, bro. I can't live my life and be surrounded by people that are just going to just go through life and be reactive. I got to move. I, I got time for that shit. I got time no. for that shit. But I, I mean, I could talk to you for hours and we'll continue to keep talking for hours. This one's just for the listeners. But for the most part, I guess that if you're anywhere on my listeners, and I'm sure they're going to be like blowing you up and looking because I, I do have a great following and I'm so blessed. Thank you so much everybody for tuning in for the show, but how can my guys find you? Like, where should they, the book, when's the book going? When is it going to be launching? Like, what are some things that for them to take a, take, take advantage of now? Okay. They can find me on social media, the Mike underscore diamond, um, on Instagram and Facebook, wherever. Um, the first book is out. It's called seven steps to an unbreakable mindset. The second book, I mean, we'll go back and forth. It'll probably come out middle of the year because once I deal with the publishers and you give it to them, they do their own thing. Diamond Life, you'll, you'll handle that. Yeah. You know, I don't have to talk about that. Um, and then I do the Recovery Today podcast, which is a pretty great podcast about addiction. I write for Aware Now magazine and I write for a magazine called The Fix. And honestly, if someone is out there hurt, suffering, struggling. I check my direct messages. I would rather you direct message me than make a disempowering choice. I'm a guy that actually looks at the messages and if someone really, really, really needs some help, I'll always, always, always give them a positive or a suggestion to help them make a better choice. That's so great that you do that because I mean, that pulls you back to the true you you know, what you're all about is like, I'm like, listen, yeah. I'll do anything in my power to help people, but you got to ask me for the, the help. I can't mind read. Well, yeah. I, if someone's suffering in silence, like Yoji from Miami Inc was one of my closest friends. We, we spent time together when we shot New York Inc, you know, we back and forth, he killed himself and he could always right. come to me. So, you know, it, you've got to pick up the phone and don't be afraid that, you know, a guy like me picks up the phone or a guy like me mm -hmm. looks at his messages. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I don't like people suffering in silence. I could drop that one seed of hope or I could tell that person, look, sometimes people just want to know someone cares. And, and I yeah. think it's arrogant not to look at those messages. And I think it's arrogant to blow people off because we're all just doing the best of what we can. Right. I'll leave everybody with this real quick. I have, and, and, I'll, and I'll throw this out to Mike just so he agree or disagree. I have not met a uber successful person and i'm talking about the people that are on the frequencies and obviously the people that we're in contact with and we obviously navigate through and how how many lives that we're saving and, and changing and, and making an impact with i have never met one of those people that kick someone while they're down or say something rude or mean or whatever or just hurt someone's feelings i have never met one i'm telling you the people that talk shit and the people that want to hurt someone and like hurt people, you know, hurt people, right? <laughs> right. So you can't, you can't do anything about it, man. Just like reach out and let us know what's going on. Like the Robin Williams out there, the ones that are really suffering behind closed doors in those dark moments, like pay attention to the ones that are a little bit more, I guess you would say vibrant or flamboyant or to put that mask on. And it's kind of like dancing that crying clown, right? I used to be that guy when I was suffering. So I know what that feels like. I mean, I 100% agree with you. And, and I'll be honest, if someone is doing it for the wrong reasons, they get exposed. Yeah, every day. Every day. And then sometimes you don't know when you're exposed and you're actually made a fool of. They're not going to tell you. You could, be, you could be the guy they laugh about when you get off the call. Like, what the fuck, man? I hope he figures it out. I hope she figures it out. Like, does she does she really think that she's going to get away with this? You know what I mean? Or does this he think he's going to get away with this of, you know, putting out that book or putting out that thing and him calling himself a best-selling author? Like, don't you know how you're being looked at right now? Go do the work, man. I'll see you next year. <laughs> so that's all I can really say to these people. Go do the work. And if you want my help, let me know. So we'll go from there.
But yeah. man, I'm blessed every time I have a, co- a conversation with you, my man. I cherish every single last one. Love you, man. I, I love you too, man. Peace out.